Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Kansas City Chiefs are once again Super Bowl champions. Triple they, H started the show. They tailored a swift comeback against... Well, my bit's over. It's time for Elimination Chamber talk predictions. What was your big going to be? I was going to say the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Triple H started SmackDown with a 10-minute promo. The more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. Ignore all that. Hey, hey, you need to calm down. Love story. This is the Russell Talk podcast review of Friday Night SmackDown and AEW Collision. We will be getting into Collision Talk a little bit later on, but we are going to be starting our chat here today with the Elimination Chamber lineup or the lineup for the qualifying matches mm -hmm. that are set to determine who is going to face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Now, there's been a lot of talk and speculation, of course, as to what the plans are going to be for Seth Rollins mm -hmm. at WrestleMania. A certain Super Bowl commercial would seemingly hint at a potential tag match yeah. for Monday Night Rollins at the show of shows, but it's still unclear what his role at Mania is going to be, whether it's going to be that or simply defending his World Heavyweight Championship because on this episode of SmackDown, we were told that 12 men will be competing in qualifying matches, yes, love qualifying matches, to determine who is going to be his world title challenger at Mania. And it's a stacked 10, isn't it? The, it sure is. Or 12, I suppose it would well, be. Well, there's... Yeah, I guess there's eight <clears throat> left because we got two qualifying matches on this show. We started eight with 12. Is 12. Yeah, 12. Yeah. yeah. Two have qualified, two didn't make it, and now we have a remaining eight to fight for the remaining four spots. Yeah. Quick maths. Lovely, and it, and it was wonderful maths, and I appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting uh, to, uh, in one breath, be excited for SmackDown and excited to see all of these matches and what's going to happen and they're, they're really selling it on SmackDown that we, they, when we do the rundown we'll talk about it but they said very much this is going to be Seth's WrestleMania Yeah. but then you have this commercial which is if I may fire I loved mm -hmm. it uh, which very much does seem to be setting up, you know, it's not just like Cody squaring off against Rock and Roman, Seth is very much there too that is the point of it, it is so is it a case of a tag match that's going to if they win, 
Cody gets to challenge, or is it like both? Like it's it's there's a lot of there's a a long time left on the road mm-hmm. to WrestleMania, so all of this will come good. I think this is not one of those things where it's like overcomplicated, overconfusing it. It's just interesting at this point. It's moment. just fan speculation. Mm. And that is the kind of thing that you want going into WrestleMania. Oh, you want fans yeah. talking about what matches we're going to see. And I have no idea whether we're going to see a tag or not, or two singles, or if The Rock's going to work both nights, or only one night, or whatever the case is going to end up being. Mm. One thing that we do know is that we're going to see Seth defend the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Now, there was. I don't know if it was just a theory or more speculation or maybe just hope that Sami Zayn in some way would be involved in that world title equation. Yeah. After this show, it's seeming less and less likely that that is going to be the case. Mm. Because, as we will get into this show, the two qualifying matches that we did get were Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles and Randy Orton versus Sami Zayn. And those are, I was shocked at who they lined up against one another in these qualifying matches so far. Mm. Because there are some people on the Elimination Chamber graphic that probably aren't going to make it into the match. Right. You know? But there are also a lot of top-tier main event talent. Yeah. And granted, I don't think every single one of them was going to end up in this match. Mm. But you look at the field... And I'm surprised that Sami Zayn isn't going to be one of the people in the Elimination Chamber fighting for a spot. Yeah, I would have. When I looked at the field, I instantly was like, okay, well, that's probably the six that I'm seeing in the Mm -hmm. match. Uh, And then within seconds, finding out that it was going to be Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton, I was like, oh, well, one of the people that I picked to go in is not going to be in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, should we do the segment and talk about all of it? Yeah. Um, Hello, welcome to the Monday show that we're doing now yes the first proper official goodness me way to bury that lead yeah this is the first proper official monday smackdown slash collision show we're going to review both friday night smackdown and uh saturday night collision um and i'll be taking the lead on smackdown tempo will be taking the lead on on collision and we're going to do that and and let us know your thoughts on both shows in the comments below i'm dan layton that's tempest i don't know if he's even said that part you know that bit well there you go you know it's quite obvious that Champion. Jam that champion and all. Um, but yeah, so we're going to kick off by talking about the Elimination Chamber. Triple H comes out on SmackDown and um, very much... I, by the way, I do not like him being called Paul Triple H Levesque. I know that's his name. And I know that like I'm all right with that in like, the press conferences and like the media scrums or whatever. He's in the arena as Triple H. Yes. Like, can we just stick with Triple H? That's It's that's not a... Mark the Undertaker Calloway. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been, yeah, like, even Dwayne the Rock Johnson kind of makes sense, but, like, that one, no. Um, he says, the road to WrestleMania is a little bit on fire, but it feels good. Um, and he's here to clear things up. He thinks some people don't know their role, and some people want to be out there to assert their authority when they don't have any. The answers come from one place only, and that is him. Kind of very much standing in the ring with Nick Aldis and Adam Pearce setting up this is what the management is you know which i thought was mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of interesting after the press conference where you know Dwayne very much putting triple h in his place and you fix this you know i'm the one with the power i'm on the board there's that wrinkle in there as well which kind of interests me yeah i had a lot of kind of mixed feelings about this particular aspect of things mm. i get that this is now in retaliation to what the rock said after the press conference when he walks by triple h and cusses him out and such, says fix it and everything. However, my issue with this is that unless there has been some advancement in, 
you know, medical practice that I've been unaware of. Triple H is not wrestling right. again. Yeah. And all this, oh, some people don't know their role. Oh, I'm the only one that makes the decisions around here. It feels very much like, remember me? Right. Make this about me for a little bit. When I don't see much of a point in that, mm. if we were getting Triple H and Cody Rhodes versus Roman and Rock, I would kind of yeah. understand it a little bit more. But it felt very detached from the rest of this. And I get that I guess you do need someone to go out and say, hey, it's going to be Roman and Cody because Cody mm. won the Rumble and that's all there is to it. But it felt more to me coming out of this segment that the focus of that part of it was on Triple H as opposed to the match at Mania. I get what you're saying. I think for me, I kind of liked the fact that it was just very much asserting. And I like authority figures in wrestling. I've always liked someone. I like to know the logic of this is like even on, on AEW one on collision. It's like, you know, Copeland and Garcia have a, a challenge for each other. And then I get here. Tony Khan has made it official. I like the fact that I know someone there is is the one saying yes. I like that bit of knowledge from my logic. I, I think the the difficulty here is that we're all... It's not just Triple H and a person. It's Triple H and The Rock, who mm. we've seen have so many stare-downs over the year. Maybe it's because this is the first time in our like history, I suppose, that an active wrestler is now not an active wrestler. We know can't go through it, although, you know, Copeland was also someone who was never able different to wrestle ever thing. again. Sure, very, very different yeah. thing. Uh, but like, this is someone who, so we're used to seeing him in the setup and match mm -hmm. area. I don't know. I, I see that kind of like question mark. It definitely does have the uh, angle setting up element, but I kind of was all right with it. I think the only reason that it comes up in my mind is because it's Triple H. Right. And I spent like 15 years watching him make everything about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, John Cena's facing Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. I'll be the referee. Right. And I'll be the reason that Daniel Bryan loses the title after. Oh, CM Punk and John Cena are having a rematch of the biggest hyped up match of the year. I'll be the referee. Mm. It's like, piss off. <laughs> maybe maybe that's it. Could you imagine? You're going to get your trifecta. Yeah. Triple H is a special referee. Referee in that match. Can I refuse? In the tag team match. I refuse. I will not speak it into existence because I hate this idea. And I've just been burned by it. If I... literally, if it was anyone else, I wouldn't probably have a problem with it. But it's just this guy. I have a, a history of accidentally willing things into existence on this program. So I'm saying it right now. Triple H is going to be the special referee in a tag match between The Rock and Roman and Seth and Cody. No! Write it down. It's going to happen. Uh, anyway, uh, Triple H says uh, he confirms it's going to be Roman and Cody for Mania. There's a massive Cody chant. Cody very over. Cody's theme, by the way, was played at West Ham um, mm -hmm. over the weekend. Uh, they lost massively. So I hope that's not a, a sort of omen in any way um but cody is over big time triple h says he some people might not like the decision but it doesn't matter special referee uh nick aldis takes over shifts the attention to the world heavyweight championship and says that seth's challenger will be decided in the elimination chamber um he says that uh, hang on wwe management is in full sort of lockstep over this so he hands over to adam pierce again kind of you know, saying there are people running the show here, mm -hmm. which I, I quite liked. And Adam Pierce goes into who the competitors are. So we have Orton, Owens, Paul, Styles, Lashley, and Knight from SmackDown, Bronson Reed, Ivar, Miz, McIntyre, Dominic Mysterio, and Sami Zayn from Raw. 
So I'm looking at and I'm like, interesting. And the crowd are massively responding to everyone. Zayn and uh, LA Knight get massive pops and there's a huge boo for, for Dom that brings a big smile to Triple H's face. Big fan of that one. And then it's going to kick off right there. And already the first match of these is Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. So again, that's immediately two people where I'm like, oh, I thought there was a hot chance that both of you could be in this. Absolutely. And already we're going to take one of you out. Um... And, it, and it, so it kicks off right now. It's a big one. Uh, Drew wants to thank everybody for buying his punk shirt and showing they feel the same about him. He calls himself DM Hunk, which is very funny. Uh, and he takes credit for Cody picking Roman Reigns, saying that after reasoning with him physically, Cody's going to finish the story. He saved WrestleMania. Now he's going to save the world title and we'll have a champ that is best for business. Very interesting verbiage, yeah. given who was just in the ring and Indeed. such. Lord, if he gets involved in that <laughs> angle as well. Well, he's the CCO. He can do whatever he wants. Yes. So before we get into the matches and everything, the prompt for this podcast is who's going to face Seth? Mm. Who is Seth's opponent at WrestleMania going to be? And at this point, again, going back to the lack of Sami Zayn involvement in the Elimination Chamber itself, I have to imagine that the odds-on favorite now is Drew. Yes, completely. I mean, that's kind of the reason that I, I went into his promo is because yeah, if you look at the the roster specifically with who is now through, and it's only currently, spoilers, Drew and Randy Orton, mm-hmm. Drew feels like the one, especially with this promo, especially with the t-shirt, all the things that have been going on, talking to Cody, like he's all over it. And it really feels like his character turned a corner on Raw a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... Despite the fact, yes, he's lost a couple of times, there was something about seeing him in a match with Sami Zayn take advantage of an opportunity and really go a bit brutal with it that mm-hmm. says to me, that's the guy. Yeah, I think the the injury to Punk, first and foremost, does allow me to give WWE a bit of a break with now having to pivot and right. go a different direction. Because, yeah, in an ideal world, if Drew is going to face Seth at WrestleMania, I probably don't have him lose at Crown Jewel and mm-hmm. the various matches. He lost a match on Raw at the beginning of January, I believe. And I would probably not have booked those matches to just have Drew continue to lose these world title matches. But at the same time, they didn't know this was going to end up being the plan. So mm-hmm. I will give them a break when it comes to that. Now, just looking at it, you got to go with your hot hand. Mm. And Drew is the hot hand right now. He's on top of his game with the promos, with his social media presence. We know we like to laugh about how little social media actually matters and all this sort mm. of thing. But he has just been on fire in every aspect of his game. And as a character is the most inter- interesting that he has been mm. in I don't know how long. And I think you do just have to reward something like that. He yeah. is kind of just the most logical choice. I think to the social media point, you are right. It, we do exist in a little vacuum sometimes, and it's very hard to actually uh, get the perspective on how much of an impact that's actually making. Yeah. Except if you're using it as a tool, right, as Drew McIntyre is, to play with his character, to really understand like what he's doing as an exercise almost, like mm-hmm. an acting exercise where he's like, okay, well, I'll have some fun on this. Oh, wait, that's connected with people in this corner of the internet. I can pivot that to the actual on-television character as well. Mm-hmm. Really leaning into it, really figuring it out. And I think he's doing a fantastic job of it. And if you think about the segment he had with Punk on Raw, when they had a little promo thing together pr- before Punk was injured, that was already something where I was like, oh, this is tasty. Yeah. Then when Punk gets injured, they have an even better. The, the line of I prayed for this and it happened, which just is in my head all the time. Fantastic work. 
continued here. It, it, cutting a promo when he was on a live event about how he's going to change the name of the Future Shark. I don't know what it is called now, but uh, he's going to change it to honor CM Punk because that was the move that injured Punk's tricep. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that stuff is really fleshing out who this person is. And you're right, it is a pivot. It's a necessary pivot. They had to. Certain choices would have been made differently. But when you are able to deftly pivot in this way, I think that's quite... You know, that that shows to me that he is someone that you can rely on. It also says to me he's probably signed his contract. We've been saying this yeah. for like almost a year now. But then I also, would have to think I agree with you, yeah. but you never know. But then also, I don't I guess I don't really mind about that. I'd, I'd rather someone not signing their contract. Ah, we've got him until like August. Let's still use him in the main event. It's Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Like, you know, don't be stupid about it. Yeah, let's have Dean Ambrose not be at WrestleMania or anything like yeah. that. You know, even to lose to somebody. Yeah. He just isn't seen anymore for yeah. the last eight weeks of TV. That stuff. Yeah. It, that, I mean, that feels like of, a, of an older guard. I'd much rather that. In the same way that, you know, whether or not MJF had signed his, his deal. Mm. Yeah, use him. Like, you've got this yeah. momentum. You might as well use it to benefit your story. Like, anyway, um, should we get into the match? Which is uh, that before the bell, LA Knight's coming out. Um, so he joins them on commentary. There's a bit of back and forth. Drew is in control. Styles scrappily trying to get what he can in, but Drew is using brute strength to keep the upper hand. Uh, Drew goes for a white noise from the top rope, but AJ counters into a huge powerbomb. Um, it's just a lot of, of really fun stuff, a lot of near fall, a lot of back and forth. They're kind of like meeting each other in their moment and, and doing the reversals, which is quite nice. AJ goes for a phenomenal forearm, but Drew catches him and hits a Glasgow kiss, which sends AJ from the top to the outside, where LA Knight is on commentary. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. Um, so Drew Sensiles launched Drew Sensiles launching into LA Knight, who casually pours water on AJ's head. It was, I think, my favorite thing on the whole show. And I like this episode of SmackDown. Yeah. It's like he's like, oh, he's just like l- crumpled on the floor in front of LA Knight, who just casually knocks over his little bottle and it starts pour- pouring onto his head. And then he's taking a drink. Oh, sorry, did you I thought maybe you wanted a drink? Um, so obviously with the distraction, Drew managed to take advantage, gets back in the ring. Uh, AJ goes for a small package, but Knight is on the apron, so the ref doesn't count it distraction claymore one two three drew is in the chamber and aj and la knight are still continuing their little back and forth it's interesting because i thought for sure la knight would end up being one of these guys Mm -hmm. that ends up in the chamber but after seeing this well i say that i also thought aj styles would be in the chamber Mm. if neither of them are yeah Maybe that gives them something to do at Elimination Chamber because I'm not sure their thing continues to WrestleMania. No. Maybe in some, I've been thinking that LA Knight will probably be involved in like a multi-man ladder match for the US title. Yeah, I think I would love that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably his best spot. I'd have him win the US title at Mania, Mm. all that fun stuff. The more I'm looking at this and the lack of an, uh, uh, an immediate spot at Mania for AJ has me thinking, well, maybe AJ's in that ladder match. Like, you know, yeah. he'd have a fun spot. He'd get to have a big showcase, that sort of thing. But this then informs, I don't know who LA Knight's uh, qualifying match is going to be against, I don't believe. And... I don't think he's going to win it now, just mm. based off of this. Well, you would certainly think that Styles would be able to get a receipt. Yes. You know, you took me out, I'm going to take you out. Exactly. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. And again, I'm I'm with you. I like the idea of them having a blow-off match because they haven't really had that. This feud has just sort of happened. They were obviously in the Fatal 4-Way. Mm-hmm. I love the multi-man for the US title. We haven't seen that in a little while yeah. at Mania. Um, I definitely don't want that for the Intercontinental belt, even no. though, because Gunther's list of challenges, well, he's defeated them all. Whereas like, Logan Paul 
hasn't really had that. Yeah. He's trying to run away from a fight. Yeah. You know, he's upset about wrestling on TV next right. week. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of, yeah, maybe you have a, a Styles night at Elimination Chamber and then they both end up in that, which mm-hmm. is when, where they have a spot between them during that match. I definitely feel like night for the US title at Mania feels pretty nailed on. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Um, yeah, that was that was the first match of the night. That was pretty good. We enjoyed that very much. Go backstage to Sami Zayn, who's being interviewed by Kayla Braxton. Uh, and Sami says, nothing certain around Mania season. Last year, he was in the main event. This year, he's seeing the window close fast. He doesn't have time to get emotional. He has to look to facing Orton. Says Orton's one of the very best to ever do it. Says Drew is waiting, and he's never beaten Drew. It's not an easy path, but he'll still take it. Interesting. Put a little pin in that for when we get to later in the show. Because then we're immediately followed by a, a, a video for Pretty Deadly. Um... Which I I don't know what to do with this video. Yeah, what happens is Blonde Deadly. They're at, they're at like a golf resort spa thing, and they're stood on a pier looking out of the water. And it's Blonde, like a gazebo on a yes, pier. It's it's very glamorous. It's very reality TV. Blonde Deadly points at the sky and says, "Oh look, that cloud looks like Queen Elizabeth II." 
and then they cut to the sky and a picture of Queen Elizabeth II winks at us. Going, and Hello. And it was like, okay, sure. But Brunette Deadly is sad because Pete Dunay has injured his hand. They curse Pete Dunay and vow to show everyone on SmackDown what Pretty Deadly are all about. Yes, boy. Great. Sure. This was straight out of NXT 2.0. It fully was. And you know what? When it's one little vignette yeah. on a show, I can handle a shot of NXT 2.0. It's when it was the whole, the whole show thing, yeah. <laughs> that I couldn't take any more of it. So something like this, I i mean, I probably wouldn't have put the picture of yeah. the dead queen in the sky, no. but go for it, I guess. There's also an element of this where I'm like, I'm watching the show and I go, <laughs> and then I move on. It didn't outstay its welcome. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, like you, I'm kind of like, okay with it. Like I said, bite-sized chunk. And this was probably someone's favorite thing on the show. So even if it wasn't <laughs> mine, <laughs> I'm glad you had yours. Uh, we then got uh, uh, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunay and DIY backstage pep talking each other because they have a match tonight. Bailey arrives at the arena after a recap of Bailey leaving damage control and challenging EO. And then we have a match between Bianca Belair and Meechin. This is a a qualifying match for the Women's Elimination Chamber. Uh, the announcers are putting over how Meechin is distracted by AJ being all gothy now. Um, mm. Bianca goes They're for- the Bullet Club! <laughs> Why are they now gothy? All they wear is black and white. AJ Styles had blue on him, and now all he's got- And he's like, I'm grumpy he's AJ grumpy Styles. grumpy now. Um, this was an interesting match, because I think going in, everyone basically knew how this was going to end. Mm -hmm. And yet it ended up being kind of quite competitive. Quite competitive. Competitive. Because Bianca goes for KOD immediately, but Meechin manages to get the upper hand and they start exchanging moves back and forth. And I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. Meechin had a really good match with EO a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. And I was glad to see that even though I knew how this match was going to go, which I think is a bit of a criticism of the women's division in general. Sure. It's a lot of the, you've got your big people, it's inevitable. Um, th th Meechin was used here as like a feeder in the same way that like I assumed a Miz, a Dominic Mysterio was going to be for the big names and the men's. But the match itself starts a bit of back and forth. Meechin tries to counter a moonsault. Bianca sees the counter coming and hits a slam for a near fall. There's both finishes going here and there. In fact, for the first sort of portion of the match, Meechin was the one in control. Um, they counter each other's finishes. Meechin goes for the eat defeat. Only Bianca rolls to the outside so she can't cover her. She tries a Styles Clash, but she sort of showboats a little bit too much. Bianca wriggles out, gets the KOD for the win. Uh, much more competitive than I thought. I really liked the match. Yeah. I thought this was more along the lines of what we would see from the, the qualifying matches in the men's side mm. on this show, where you do have very much, like you said, a Dominic Mysterio, you know, uh, maybe an Ivar, a Bronson Reed going up against the AJ Styles, the Drew, the Randy Orton. So it's a little bit more clear who's going to win and who's not. And... I think you can have both. Mm -hmm. I think it made the men's matches more interesting for sure to have both of them be like, well, I don't know who's going to win. Whereas this one, I think it is kind of fine to have the qualifying match be, you know, the person who's probably going to win and the person who puts up a good fight. Mm. Because again, there's only so many spots on the roster. Right. And if you're going to have six people qualify, you need six people to lose and they don't have 12 main event women at the moment. No. Maybe they could build some into that, but currently, unfortunately, they don't. This is all very interesting to me because for the first time in like years and years, 
I don't know what Bianca's spot is at WrestleMania. Mm. And the window is closing on that, and I'm sure there is some sort of plan in place for her, at least I hope there is. And I thought, dating back to the summer and everything, that the big singles match for her at WrestleMania this year was going to be against Charlotte. Mm -hmm. That being said, I don't know how far along Jade is in their mm. thing, in, in her development within the WWE system. If you don't have Charlotte back from injury yet, maybe you go to that. I would personally put that off maybe another year and do Jade and Bianca with a huge build and everything. Yeah. But it's really interesting because Bianca is absolutely now someone on the roster that has a WrestleMania spot carved out for her, whether mm -hmm. she has a title or not. Yeah. And that to me She's is really, that. that's the making of a of a real superstar yeah. in WWE. If you have to have a spot on the Mania card yeah. with or without a title, it probably means that, you know, you've made it. Well, them having her at the press conference over Bailey, which I think was a shame. I think Bailey should have had a spot at the press conference, but you know, Bianca being there is with her new series. She's a bankable star. They mm -hmm. have to have her on the card. I agree with that completely. I'm someone usually who um, is preaching patience. I'm always like, you know, we don't have to rush into these things. We can mm -hmm. take a little bit of time here. And there was that great stare down between Jade and Bianca in the rumble where I was like, give me what I want. This is great. You know, they're both <laughs> doing the gorilla press kind of thing. I feel like this is one of the occasions where I would go against my usual way and be like, Jade was in the Super Bowl commercial thing. Yeah. She's a bankable name. You know, this is not going to be a main event match. Uh, there's already a plethora of main events that they're having to choose from to figure out. You could have a pretty decent match here between Jade and Bianca. Maybe Jade, I think there was a... This is a, a potential spoiler. Nothing confirmed, but there was... They might have accidentally spoiled the... Petitors in the Elimination Chamber on mm -hmm. WWE.com, and I believe Jade was in the the lineup. I believe so. So if again, that's another good like smoke and mirrors way to sort of like if she's still quite green, let her in. And if you if she's gonna put her in the ring with someone a naturally gifted athlete like Bianca, it's got a real bit of potential for a nice five minute WrestleMania spot mm -hmm. to put them both over. The only issue is, do you have Jade Cargill lose? Do you have Bianca lose? Like, what would you do with that? That's an interesting thing to think yeah. about. It's one of those deals where if that match gets announced or doesn't or mm -hmm. whatever, it's another thing for us to talk about mm -hmm. and be exactly. really interested going into WrestleMania. And ultimately, like, with all the negativity around WWE that I'm not forgetting about no. at any point, I'm probably more excited for this WrestleMania than I have been in many many yeah. many years well i mean that's the other thing is with all of that in mind then i do very strongly believe that we can think about both things at the same time yes. i think it's to suggest otherwise is is so foolish but like this is them talking about a new era this is them talking about we're a different company they kind of have to do that pr they have mm -hmm. to kind of put that forward so to present that with your core fan base who are excited for wrestlemania in this way that maybe you know i just watched the opening of wrestlemania 27 and i'm like oh <laughs> was, was i the most excited for this like probably not like when you think about where we were 10 even five years ago mm -hmm. this feels like a good opportunity to put this new face forward to say we are a different company now um while not forgetting about all of that stuff and to your point about you know they don't have 12 bankable main event women this kind of match with Michin is how you begin that. Like yeah. allowing her to look like someone who could take it to Bianca and potentially could get the win. 
over time, it's just about getting the reps in. That's literally the only, whenever I'm accused of pushing my feminist agenda, this is a prime example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just get it, get the reps in. Um, we go into Triple H's office because Bron Breaker needs a little chat. Triple H <laughs> says he's killing it and is excited to see how we'll do on the main roster. Bron is asking for Triple H's advice picking a brand because the brand spurt Tempest is very important, particularly on this episode of SmackDown. Um, but before Hunter can answer, Paul Heyman sidles in. And sidles is the only word you can <laughs> really use to describe what he does here. He kind of leans in and is like, hey. Uh, and Triple H is cross about this. So Heyman says, oh, you know what? I'll come back next week. But when I come back next week, I'll be bringing Roman Reigns with me. Oh, also The Rock. And Hunter says he's looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And so am I. <laughs> Listen, I... I'm a flake. I was being whingy as hell the past couple of weeks. I'm very excited now, all right? Well, listen, we're allowed to whinge when they do something <laughs> dumb and then fix it. Yeah. You know, I'm not having this, this like, oh, all these fans that complained about everything you should have just waited. That's not what happened. <laughs> no, they get credit for fixing it, yes. I think. But they absolutely fixed it. It wasn't It wasn't the plan. Yes. Um, Braun Breaker, do you want to say anything on Braun Breaker? Oh, I'm just excited. excited. I'm yeah. excited to see him on the main roster. Give me Braun Breaker every week. Like, yeah. Seeing him run through fools. He's got yeah. the best spear in the business. There I are some good God. spears. I love it. You know, love him. shout out to Yoda Suji. <laughs> That's your territory, not mine. But, but I agree. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, let's go into the Bailey segment because when, when we did the review uh, last week, I say review, we basically, all people wanted to talk about with the chats coming in really was The Rock. So we didn't really give enough attention to Bailey's segment. Mm. Um Last week, Bailey challenged EO. She broke up damage control. She spoke a little bit of Japanese to them. It was very WWE in the way they did it in terms of she spoke a line of Japanese and said, that's Japanese. Uh, and also moments beforehand, the damage control had been talking about her in English. So it was one of those, you know, very WWE heavy. But it was really nice to see this segment work out for Bailey. And they followed it up with what I thought was one of the top segments on the night. I really enjoyed Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So Bailey's in the ring. She, she was nervous to come out, but the crowd are chanting her name. She says, we're all cool because... We've been with her on this journey for years and we know her heart. Crowd chants, you deserve it. She says, damage control meant everything to her. They were her family. She put them before herself over and over, never asked for anything in return. But all they did was take. Every time she come backstage, even after the rumble, they laughed at her. Um, so she's learned her lesson. It's happened to her too many times in her life. And Io will learn her lesson at WrestleMania. Outcomes... Dakota Kai, conspicuous by her absence last week, explained mm -hmm. by saying Dakota had to go to the doctors for her injury that's nearly healed, which I liked as an excuse. I thought mm -hmm. that was quite decent. Very logical. Um, she says she didn't know this was going on. Bailey doesn't believe her. Dakota says she was in a really tough spot because she always believed in damage control as well. The crowd sort of boos that because damage control are the heel faction. Dakota says EO's attitude started to change when Kyrie came back and she didn't know how to tell Bailey what they'd been saying. The crowd keeps booing. Dakota missed them being sick Sisters. Bailey asks what Dakota wants now, but before she has a chance to answer, out comes Eosky and the Kabuki Warriors. Dakota leaves the ring but comes back in with a chair. Now, as she goes to seemingly hit Bailey, Bailey dodges out of the way, and instead she chairs the ropes in front of Eo and both of the Kabuki Warriors, making them leave the area. Um, and she puts the chair back down, and her and Bailey have a kind of like interesting little standoff stare off thing while the crowd are chanting hug it out which mm -hmm. i absolutely loved and the kabuki warriors also have some looks on the face as they're walking back i really liked this segment for a number of reasons i love the fact that um i've been in that situation where you're torn between two factions of your friends who are bickering mm -hmm. so i can also see dakota knowing what's going on with 
EO and Kabuki Warriors and she has been trying to sort of placate Bailey and I feel like she's that person trying to keep the family together. So I really relate to that. There is also the other side of that coin where you could see that as being particularly two-faced. Yes. So I like the the question mark we have here of oh Dakota seems to be on Bailey's side, but can we trust that yet? I'm glad we didn't rush into them hugging it out cuz there's more to tell here. Yes. I thought it was really effective. Yes, I completely agree. I have been on the record many a time saying how I really appreciate the subtle week-to-week storytelling that goes into stories like this, where the driving force for the fans coming back to it is, well, we know something's going to happen, but is it going to happen this week? Is it going to happen next week? I'll tune in because I don't want to miss that thing. Mm. For the longest time, it was whether Bailey was going to get kicked out of damage control. And we thought it might happen after war games. And then we thought it might happen in the Royal Rumble. And then we were like, okay, she's won the Royal Rumble. When's it going to happen? It happens the following week. Mm -hmm. Huzzah! Now we still have that same feeling, but with a different element of the story. With Dakota Kai now being split in her allegiance. Maybe it's going to be with Bailey. I'd have to imagine that it's probably not in the long term, just because I think narratively it makes more sense for Bailey to be mm-hmm. kind of like one against all. Yeah. But it's simple storytelling. And I really just appreciate that this year, the big women's title match is one with a long running story. Right. And it's not necessarily even about the belt. No, Mm. it just happens to make that belt more important because this long story now has a little bit of extra stakes involved. Mm. And this is not like, you know, new or exclusive to to this or whatever, but I think it was just after last year when you had all the potential to have Rhea and Charlotte tell this amazing story Mm. in the lead up to WrestleMania and they just didn't. Yeah, They just like chose not to. Mm. I was really disappointed in particularly the women's builds, both of them with Bianca and Asuka. And this year... Even though like Becky and Rhea haven't been linked throughout the year, it's been very clear in everyone's minds that they're being kept apart mm. because eventually they'll come together. Right. So it's like the two big stars, they're not dodging each other, but now they're going to come together and they're going to fight. And then on this other side, it is the two people that have been in the segments together for like, you know, since they came back at mm. SummerSlam yeah. 2022. It's a really long build that really started, you know, last year with just before the Money in the Bank win by mm-hmm. EO and Lot. There's oh, even EO climbing over and literally money in the bank. Yeah, climbing, yeah. O- climbing over Bailey. So it's just so inspiring to see a long running women's story yeah. get paid off in a really big title match at WrestleMania. It should be simple yeah. to do this every year, and it seems not to be, so I will give them credit when it happens. I completely agree. I think it's that thing of... Because both matches last year were good. Like, Rhea yes. and Charlotte was really good. Asuka and Bianca was really good, but the build let them down. It was a real shame. And so to see, to the point of, you know, spoiled Elimination Chamber a little bit to have Becky come out of the press conference and really lay it down, because you've got mm-hmm. two matches there that we know how they're going to turn out. But I liked the vibe of what Becky was sort of saying. You're never defending this. You're never around. Becky had that great one in the NXT title. Over on this side, we've got EO and Bailey who have... Uh, 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 for me, this is a main event storyline, you know? Yes. I feel, and as it should be for a world title, which is what the women's title is, and the main event winner of the Royal Rumble, they have 
they always talk about there are so many different main events on on WrestleMania, and I've never really believed them. It's just at, this, at the moment I'm starting to. Yeah. Um, I do wish that this had been featured in the press conference, and I think it's because of the work they'd put in. I think they're doing a. Re- it's kind of dissonant to think, well, hang on, they're doing such good work and they're writing a really good story for them, but they're not promoting them, not putting them on the posters. I'd like to see them on the posters. I think that's. I think they deserve it for mm-hmm. the work. Um. We have a couple of backstage segments. Randy Orton uh, says he's going to win. He's going to be in the Elimination <laughs> Chamber. And then uh, Not the Hurt Business are there. And Lashley's introducing VFAB to the Profits. We saw her come out on SmackDown last week um, and take out Scarlett. But in the meantime, Lashley is going to be on Raw to face Bronson Reed for his Chamber spot. That one feels pretty nailed on for me. I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, Bobby Lashley in there, you see? Yep. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, we then have um, a, a lovely trip back in time. Because Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne take on DIY in a proper old NXT match. A rematch from Worlds Collide, oh. that show that I'm sure nobody remembers. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember it. Yeah? Yeah. Imperium and Undisputed Era mm-hmm. in the main event? Yeah. They just didn't do a takeover before that rumble for some reason. Yeah. They're like, no, here, it's our forbidden door. NXT versus NXT UK. <laughs> um, it is exactly what you'd expect. I think this match was exactly what you'd expect going in. It, it did everything it was going to say on the tin. You know, there's... Fast-paced chain wrestling, reversal, reverse, reversals, a Frankensteiner off the big boot, great tag team wrestling from both of them, double teams, individual stuff. Uh, Bate manages to get Gagano up for an airplane spin at one point and does a swing on Champa at the same time. Cesaro could never. <laughs> well, is this whole, he's he's being introduced to the main roster, so we have to demonstrate that he is indeed the big strong boy. That was um, a joke, by the I way. Know, it certainly was. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Claudio a little yes. bit later on. Champa with a Project Champa powerbomb backstab for a near fall that is NXT mm-hmm. um, DIY go for the meet in the middle Dunn breaks it up by breaking some fingers Bay takes out Champa on the outside so that Dunn can hit the bitter end for the three and they have a show of respect after the match I want to see this over and over again I love tag team wrestling I love you know everyone has like their style of wrestling that yes. they love the most like you I, I mean I guess yours is the Japanese strong style is your sort of favorite, maybe? I would reckon so. Yeah, yeah like the the Tokyo Dome main event right. style of yeah. Okada and Tanahashi, etc. Mine is black and gold uh, takeover 2015 through 2017. That's kind of my favorite style of wrestling. So PWG in a big building. They're just before the near fall started to get a bit silly <laughs> for me. When it's like, all right, you've hit every single finisher off the top of a cage through some tables. You should yeah. probably get the three at this point. Yeah. Um, but no, I loved this match. I thought it was great. And this means obviously that we're going to have uh, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne against Judgment Day in Perth. It'll be interesting because that's another match where it's like, I don't know who's going to win that one. Mm. I think it could go either way. But this was really interesting because obviously this is a match in the middle of SmackDown, not a match that's going to open a takeover mm-hmm. for, for you know, anybody expecting to see that. This is not a 25-minute blow-away match, yeah. but also didn't need to be no. because this is so much for, further beyond the quality of wrestling in general, but tag team wrestling as we have seen on SmackDown the last little while, mostly because we've had no titles to speak of right. over on the blue brand. So you don't have teams like the Street Profits working that often because they have nothing to fight for. Mm. So we could see lots of good tag matches, but we haven't. And now I don't know if this little feud, if, if you want to call it that, is going to continue, but these are two awesome teams Granted, DIY is still over on Raw and everything, so brand split, what? Braun Breaker, <laughs> just go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But this was just so much fun. This was like a fun little 
TV bite-sized version of their takeover matches. It's not going to have the huge near falls. You get a couple, mm. not 10 of them, but it's exactly what it should have been for this match. And I really hope that we get to see it again. Mm. You know, maybe they turn DIY heel and then they run this back at WrestleMania and that's your WrestleMania tag match. Oh. And then you get the takeover 25-minute classic. Well, I feel like they need to... Um... The tag division, I love tag team wrestling. It's like one of my favorite things. That's why I was so thrilled to be on Collision because yeah. I get to see a lot of it. Um, but I I feel like maybe we do need to see these belts split. For a while, I was just mm. like, just have the champions hover between the rosters. But I feel like Triple H likes tag team wrestling as well. And I feel like he he's allowing for more teams to, get again, get their reps in. Same thing with the, with the women's division. To the point where you could probably do something where you split the titles. I don't know how that goes down. Because I personally see it's probably going to be Awesome Truth at WrestleMania winning the Tag Team Championships in the Year of the Lord 2024. Mm. Um, but I'm I'm for it. I guess. <laughs> just, Hands off my belt. It's just stupid. Like, <laughs> But it's, it's interesting. I had a so like, three-month run. 13 years ago why are people nostalgic about this it's a hell of a drug but it's working so go for it um we go on to a backstage interview with dominic mysterio who says that mammy's gonna wipe the floor with nia Jax, and then he's gonna win the elimination chamber and eventually they'll have matching titles he doesn't care who his opponent is he's gonna slap the taste oh but wait he's interrupted by kevin owens who says i'm your opponent and i'm gonna dedicate my win to Rey mysterio that's his father and then our truth wanders in yelling for Miz and says, Owens is supposed to be on Raw. Don't let Nick catch you. Nick Mysterio? No, Nick Aldis. Um, sure. But there were massive We Want Truth chants, so uh -huh. this is working. It is. Listen. Some of the time, I think Archer is very funny. Yeah. This time I was like, what's the bit? Yes. Yeah. That's my thing. I think I think R-Truth is... That, that video package with R-Truth absolutely killed me. Mm -hmm. Really slayed. I love the Live, Laugh, Love promo yes. AR footage or whatever that goes over every time he comes out um but this yeah this bit it was like where are the jokes i yeah. lost the joke here yeah um other but again crowd chanting we want truth in a massive way and i think like good for him yeah like, that that's really kind of nice for a guy that could have retired after that quad injury mm. you know he'd be more well within his right to to ride off into the wacky sunset but he's come back and he's gonna get a wrestlemania big payday and that's and i think that's why i'm quite happy with the idea of the awesome truth yeah. like they can do it like a month-long run lose the belts I, yeah. I don't, you know but for that moment for truth for that this what has been i think quite good work i think he deserves it uh we're back in the gm's office because logan is crossed that he's in a qualifying match at all because that's for unqualified people instead of having an opponent for the u.s title um and aldous and pierce tell him he'll be facing the miz next week on smackdown this one feels pretty nailed on for me that paul's going into the chamber because you yep. can get some big old viral moments yes i was just watching the first ever chamber match back um, and it's like, oh, you put RVD in here for the sole purpose of showing what's possible in this chamber. Yeah, so he can jump off the pod and crush Triple H's throat. Yeah, and he can land on it, do the Spider-Man thing, you know. Yeah. I think there was an awful lot um, that can be done with Paul in mm -hmm. this match, personally. It's interesting. Like, if you had asked me to just book six people to be in the chamber a week ago, 
probably wouldn't have said Logan Paul is one of them just because, you know, you had your Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, AJ yeah. Styles, Drew McIntyre, and, and a, a lot of those people aren't going to be in it. He's got the U.S. title, something else going on, but it's very much looking like he's going to be in it, and fair play to him, you know? Like you said, they often like to put in that guy, whether it's John Morrison in those kind of, like, early 2010s chambers or Kalisto in some of the tag ones, just so you can have somebody either climb the thing or jump off a thing or whatever and i'm sure we're gonna get something put on sports center coming out of it <laughs> and i will attribute that entirely to logan paul yeah i mean gotta get that attention the media attention somehow it's what it's all about these days I it hear. is uh we got a rundown for next week's show and then it is time for Sami Zayn versus orton in the main event and they've got each other's number in the early going wade is really selling orton's back injury in particular but he manages to get the upper hand and go for the reo which was rko which is reversed into a blue thunderbomb the reo speedwagon <laughs> the oreos double stuffed um sammy zane tries to get it done but out of nowhere the rko finally connects and we get a one two three orton's in the chamber there's a stare down between drew and orton as the show goes off the air but the more interesting thing to me was we did get a shot of Sami Zayn walking off kind of frustrated. Uh, he, he left quite quickly. He left sharpish. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because they're running out of time to facilitate the stare down. But that tying in with the this path is looking increasingly smaller was really interesting to me. What do you think is going into Sami Zayn's WrestleMania run? I don't know. Because mm -hmm. until I watched this show, I thought the plan somehow was going to end up being Sami, Drew, and Seth in a three-way at Mania, and that doesn't look like it's going mm. to be the case currently, unless something changes drastically for Sammy. So I don't know what his path to WrestleMania is. I know we gave a lot of flack to WWE a couple of years ago when they did this storyline with Seth, just because it didn't make any sense right. at that point, you know? Just because, like, you could just say, hey, I'm going to WrestleMania, and they just throw out an opponent. Mm. Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley just got put in a match with no no build yeah. a couple years before that, you know? So sometimes stuff just happens. But with the way that things are kind of being booked now, it's a little bit more plausible that somebody the caliber of Sami Zayn could miss out if he doesn't have a way of getting not only on the show, mm -hmm. but in a spot that feels deserving of him, mm -hmm. you know? He feels like he should be in a world title match. He probably won't be at this point, but what's the equivalent to that now? Mm -hmm. What can he then go and do? And I'm not sure. I'm going to be just as interested as everybody else watching the next few weeks of SmackDown and Raw and the pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. This has just popped into my head now. Do you think there's any chance he's in line for a Gunther match? Hmm. It's one that's not been done. Um, the Intercontinental title doesn't seem like a big step down from the World Heavyweight title. Though the idea of Sami Zayn at the moment is like, you know, I want to win the world title. Mm -hmm. And he has been an Intercontinental champ before. But maybe that's an opportunity. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Gunther's always going to have loads of challengers, especially at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, probably the most likely place for him to lose a title at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to find a bigger stage for it. So whether you want to use... That as something to get Sami Zayn to that next level, whether you bring back Sheamus, who I've kind of been waiting to see again for a while, mm. whether he's the guy to come in and beat Gunther, I'm not sure. But you've still got your Chad Gables that people are hoping his little arc gets paid off. There's lots of options. I hadn't even thought of Sami Zayn as an Intercontinental mm. champ, uh, Championship challenger, but they'd have an amazing match. There you go. You know? Interesting. I yeah. guess we'll have to... 
tune in and see what happens, which I, I guess, guess is the so. point of weekly episodic television. Oh, it's fun to look forward to that sort of thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's made a change. I will say, I greatly enjoyed this SmackDown mm, me too. because it just felt important. Mm. So many of the t of the rants I went on so far <laughs> this year even came from SmackDown just feeling like an absolute afterthought. Yeah. There was no reason to get invested in the TV leading up to the Royal Rumble because all they were pushing was what was going on between Knight, Styles, and Orton, and you knew neither of them or none of those three were going to win the title at the Royal Rumble. And nobody on the show aside from Bailey was going to win the 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 Royal Rumble matches. And Bailey was so obviously a foregone conclusion that it was like everybody else in that match almost didn't matter by extension. They didn't do big promos hyping up the matches on SmackDown. They didn't do a lot to actually make you care week to week. But on this show, there was no wasted time. There was an an urgency to this mm. where every match on this show had stakes was must win for the people involved. You either are getting a title shot or you're going to the elimination chamber or whatever it was going to be. And we've just missed those stakes from SmackDown. I don't know if that's just because we're now on the road to WrestleMania and therefore everything just feels a little more important. Mm. You know, getting a title shot means more if it's going to be at WrestleMania than if it's going to be at Fastlane or Payback or whatever. But there was just an energy to this SmackDown. Things felt a little bit more alive. And that's what I've been missing from this show for so much of the last six to eight months. Yeah, I agree. I think especially after the press conference, it being something that people were still talking about. Uh, such a hit. Oh, God, I was such a mark for that press conference. It's <laughs> unreal. Um, but that being the thing that led into this, it had almost a lot to live up to. And there is an element of functionality with some weekly shows, especially you need to build the pay-per-view yep. to make it feel like something where, oh, I do want to see what happens next. I will tune in. I think it's credit to them. I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Big um, matches too. Yeah. Like there are a number of times where the SmackDown main event just doesn't quite feel like yeah. the main event of a show, you know? And this week, Randy Orton and Sami Zayn, that's a main event of a show. Mm. You know, that could be a main event of a pay-per-view if booked, you know, properly. booked properly. But certainly a high-caliber main event for a TV episode. Mm. So big thumbs up all around. I would give this SmackDown like a 5 out of 5. Oh, obviously. wow. Yeah. I love that. What a love great it. start. Should we pivot over to Collision? Yes, let's, because I also greatly enjoyed Collision. Yeah. We've got uh, quite a bit to talk about. Maybe not as much with as much urgency on this show as there was on SmackDown, but they're not building for WrestleMania at the moment, so I guess it makes a little bit of sense. That being said, we did still have some build for Revolution, which mm -hmm. is also fast approaching. So we opened up this show with more CMLL versus Blackpool Combat Club stuff as Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley faced Esfinghe, the Sphinx, and Star Jr. This was a really fun little match. You got to see Claudio play the bass for the big flying guys. We got what I thought we were going to get on Dynamite, where I believe it was Star Jr. came off the ropes, and Claudio just catches mm. him with an uppercut. It's magnificent. Anytime you get to see it happen, you really, really like to, to see that sort. We had a bunch of stuff where the Luchadors were 
going to do a dive to the outside and then either put on the brakes or did like a cool pose or Star Jr. I believe just kind of like ended up sat on the top rope as they got out of the way on the out outside. It was a really fun little opener. I think that the Luchadors worked a little bit better with John Mox or opposite of that. Worked a little bit better with Claudio than mm -hmm. with John Moxley. I think it's just kind of a style thing, brawler versus kind of more all-around technician, but a very good base for mm -hmm. smaller wrestlers in the case of Claudio. But ultimately, the Blackpool Combat Club did get the win here as uh, they hit their finishers on the guys. Claudio hit uh, the Ricola bomb on Esfinghe, and Moxley put Star in an, arm in an arm bar and forced him to tap out. Afterwards, Moxley got on the mic and said thank you. He said gracias and sent the message to anybody in CMLL, send the message to anywhere in the world that if any team wants to step up, they will get stepped on. And who interrupts them then but FTR? Sure. That seems like a real tough hitting brawling match. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And we're going to be looking ahead to what comes after Revolution, mm -hmm. you know, in the weeks to come as we start thinking about who's going to win matches and such. But if the Young Bucks are to win the tag titles off of Darby and Sting, which I think makes a good amount yeah. of sense, given that it's Sting's last match and everything. Wrestling traditionalist. Yeah. I'm not going to be like that Okada guy who's winning on the way out. <laughs> but if the Young Bucks end up with the tag titles again, first of all, love that for them. But secondly, you're going to now start seeing a lot of these challengers racking mm. up a bunch of wins and these really big tag matches meaning that much more. And so if this ends up being a big tag match that we get at Revolution, FTR versus the Blackpool Combat Club, I would kind of almost see that as kind of a... Uh, unofficial number one contenders match mm -hmm. for a tag title shot. And that's very exciting because yeah. either way that goes, I think you're going to get fantastic tag matches in the next few weeks and months just based off of the dynamics of all the teams involved. Yeah, I loved the match, first of all, to say, like the, the match with the, uh, the Mexican team as well because like Claudio is one of my favorites of all time. Like mm -hmm. his... Everything about him. Did you see that picture of the the Black Hole Combat Club with Tony Khan yeah. backstage? Where like Claudio's massive. He is so tall. Yeah, like it's the tallest person in the world. He's like he's a big guy, which yeah. you don't think of because he's also incredibly like dynamic and lithe in the yeah. way that he wrestles. Very lean. To your point, a perfect counterpart to the Mexican style as well, which I absolutely loved. The sort of perfect balance in this. Um, and the, the only issue I had was that the big brawl needed to be broken up. I saw that a couple of weeks ago with House Black. Mm -hmm. It very much didn't feel, it felt like, I was like, oh, we've, we've done that already. This one's come out of nowhere. But I'll let it go because I'm so excited about that part. Mm -hmm. And I think we, it's really interesting. I definitely agree. I think the Young Books should win the tag titles off um, Darby and Sting, unless you want to vacate those tag titles afterwards. Maybe yeah, that's the other as well. option. Yeah. For me, there's an unfinished business between FTR and Young Books. They didn't really do anything with that, like, half respect, half heel turn thing after all out. Yeah. All in, rather. Well, I don't know what exactly was going on mm. with that tag title situation in the fall where the Young Bucks won the tag title shot. Yeah. And then everyone just kind of went, uh, can we forget about that? And then they lost it to yeah. Jericho and, and Omega is kind of just like a, well, we were going to do that. And then... 
it doesn't quite work anymore. And again, I cut them some slack because it was like moving parts and a yeah, lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. But it does feel like there is unfinished business there mm -hmm. because we had the match at Wembley mm -hmm. and then a, a week later we had both of those teams teaming up yeah. and doing like each other's finishers. Mm -hmm. And so it definitely felt like we were building to another match. And then we just had them all go their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And this feels like as good a time as possible to bring them all back together with a proper heel babyface dynamic. And Sick of this double babyface match yeah. stuff. Heel Young Bucks versus babyface FTR is the move. We've got Double or Nothing in May. We've got All In again in August. There's a lot of great places for this to happen. Yeah. That's, I think, where I would go. Hey, there's a big show coming to Boston if they wanted to big do it business. on TV. Is the big show going to be in Boston? Paul White's going to be there. Massive. Boo. Anyway, yes, this ends up in a brawl and it gets broken up by security guards and some of the wrestlers from the back. After that, we got Daniel Garcia versus Shane Taylor. Now, I love both of these guys. Daniel Garcia is in the zone. This guy is rising through the ranks of my top 10 list mm -hmm. of my favorite wrestlers to watch right now. And it seems to be the case with everyone else as well because... He is getting such big reactions when his music hits and his funny little graphic of him doing like this during his Titantron. He's got something. Mm. And there was always the, the fear that the, the charisma, the personality or whatnot would hold him back. But he has been able to find little bits that over the last few years, he's been able to just like little pieces of clay slap onto the sculpture that all of a sudden becomes this very well-rounded wrestler. Now, they have a very fun match here. Shane Taylor slaps the piss out <laughs> of Daniel Garcia's chest, also known as a chop. But this was a perfect technical wrestler versus behemoth kind of match. Mm. And I love Shane Taylor. There's a lot of love for Shane Taylor on this channel. And ultimately, Daniel Garcia tries to hit either a, a power bomb or a pile driver or something, gets backdropped. He then gets uh, escapes a package pile driver, which Shane Taylor has been using as a finish. And uh, Shane Taylor, his leg was giving him a lot of problems throughout this match. It was you know, the way that the smaller wrestler was kind of cutting down the big guy. And eventually his knee gives out when he goes for the package pile driver again. And Garcia locked in a knee bar and Taylor tapped out. So this is five wins in a row for Daniel Garcia. Again, doing very well for himself coming out of the C2. And it wouldn't be the last time we would see him on this show. No, it would not. Um, so I kind of saved my bit until then, I think. Because I thought, I can't really add to what you've said. The match was was did exactly what it needed to. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm in complete lockstep with you on Daniel Garcia until we get to the, the promo later on. Yeah, where, very yeah. excited about that. So we'll get to that uh, very shortly. Backstage, we had Lexi Nair talking with Eddie Kingston, who says that it eats Brian Danielson up inside that he lost to somebody that he doesn't respect. So he's putting a stipulation on their match at Revolution that when Eddie Kingston beats Brian again, Brian has to shake his hand. This is very interesting for a number of reasons. It's very like old school traditional pro wrestling. Mm. And it's the kind of old school traditional pro wrestling that works because it's just basic storytelling. But we kind of saw this a couple of years ago at Revolution as well with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, where it was supposed to be Jericho shaking his hand after the match and then didn't. And that's what led to the Jericho Appreciation Society forming. But 
obviously hugely different dynamics at play here and a match that while Jericho and Eddie Kingston had a very good match at that pay-per-view, I think Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston might have the best match of the show. Yeah, I mean, we saw the interesting... There's that element of it where they're going to have a great match. I think that's kind of inevitable. But um, also the idea of the whole respect thing mm -hmm. coming kind of hot off the heels of Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. where in his post match interview promo extravaganza you couldn't physically put someone over more than daniel bryan bryan Anderson put over uh zach saber jr um so like respect he's not someone who's unwilling to show yeah. respect when it's necessary he just doesn't respect eddie yeah and i like that as a a story i think it's so interesting that's a perfect like upper mid card storyline yeah where show me respect, shake my hand at the end of the match kind of thing. I'm into that. It works for me. Yeah. It feels very human. Mm, like yeah. it's a very human story, just very realistic. Doesn't need to be wacky or over the top. Brian Danielson doesn't have to be a cartoon character that doesn't respect anyone or anything like that. It is just he doesn't respect Eddie. And I think and I there love was that. something about the smile on Kingston's face as well, where it was like, uh, this is going to piss you off. Yeah. And I'm into it. And I kind of liked that for him. It, it, it all worked. Yeah. The subtlety from their last the the last week and and the last few weeks dating back to the C two with these two is is one of my favorite things mm. going right now. Uh, Brian Cage took out both of the outrunners in a two on one handicap match. Them being Turbo Floyd and Truth Magnum, the eighties throwback team, <laughs> the throwback jobber team, uh, and it was very simple. And Brian Cage won in like a minute. You know, just beat up both guys. It, it, it was what it was. That match with Kevin Kelly's voice really made me feel like I was watching an episode of Heat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Or Shotgun Saturday yeah. Night or something like that. Jacked. But the most heinous thing to happen on the whole show uh, happened, and we saw someone get stabbed in the head on this show, <laughs> when Brian Cage took out Chance, the mascot for the Vegas Golden Knights hockey team. Oh, dear, dear. You don't take out a, a poor defenseless mascot who just wants to do the na-na dance. Love that. Love the integration of anything hockey related. I got to stick true to, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I got to stick true to, to my roots. Uh, Hook, his music played and he ran off Brian Cage. So good stuff. I am imagining that's going to be the zero hour match. Yeah. Uh, and it should be a good one. Lexinair was again backstage with the Undisputed Kingdom and Tomihiro Ishii, and it's the same sort of thing we saw with Commander and Roddy Strong, where they said, hey, you beat Orange Cassidy, because I'd rather face you than Orange Cassidy at the pay-per-view. But there's a little bit more extra things for, you know, your, your historian, your New Japan fans here, where, you know, the Kingdom was like, hey, you... I used to be in chaos, and that's a hell of a throwback. <laughs> that's like... 10 years ago throwback mm. because the kingdom were in chaos and then just weren't because sometimes ring of honor teams come and go in new Japan. And Matt Taven says, I blew out my knee and you didn't ever call me. Tomohiro Ishii. That's, that is one of the biggest tropes in all of wrestling. I was injured. You never called me. And that's baby cross. They love doing that. Story. Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, and Roderick Strong says exactly that. Goes to shake, forcibly shake Tomohiro Ishii's hand, and Ishii pulls away. So, mm. more we've seen before, but good stuff. Uh, Tony Schiavone is then in the ring, and he welcomes the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, 
who comes down to the ring and gets a very good response. Everyone's chanting, Adam, Adam, which is still weird. But he comes down to the ring and they're kind of talking about you're very high in the rankings. You know, we've got the world title situation over here with Hangman Page. Oh, he's fuming already. Mm -hmm. Hangman Page and Swerve are over there. They're the top two contenders, so they're going to go for the world title. You're number three. So there are loads of championships around here, and this didn't really make sense to me in the grand scheme of things because he was like, we got an international title, we got a TNT title, and we got a Continental Classic title. What are you thinking? It's like, well... Two of those belts are also already scheduled for t title defenses at the pay-per-view. And he pretty much says that. Adam Copeland's like, well, I think Orange Cassidy's defending his belt. And Eddie Kingston's defending his belt. And I will face you at some point, Eddie Kingston. I can't wait. So I guess that leaves Christian. I was like, yeah. Like, no duh, guys. <laughs> I think there was probably a more logical way to get to that point in the, in the conversation. Because, yeah. We've known for the last few weeks and months that Adam Copeland is having all these matches either to rack up wins or to prove to Christian Cage that he's a worthy challenger. Mm. And it's all been very clearly pointed at another match between Adam Copeland and Christian Cage. And as he's starting to get to this point, he, he lose, he's going to face Christian. He gets interrupted by Daniel Garcia. Who we've already seen on this show. He comes down and everyone... I love the pop where someone gets interrupted by someone that they have not been interacting with. Yeah. And everyone kind of goes like, ooh, oh, interesting. interesting. You know, it's that like new... Ratatouille when he eats the two flavors <laughs> and they, you know, you're like, ooh. I love that movie. That's a perfect film. <laughs> Anywho, I could talk about Ratatouille for a whole podcast. Daniel Garcia comes down to the ring, and they're very respectful towards one another. He says, I'm not looking to, you know, to disrespect you at all, but I've also been racking up wins. I also have had a little stare down with Christian Cage, mm -hmm. and I've beaten the patriarchy by myself, or I've beaten the patriarchy. And Adam Colton says, you didn't do it by yourself. You had FTR's help. So let's put it right there. But hey, FTR, speak highly of you because he's still got a, an FTR appreciation himself. And says, I respect you. Is the easy way to solve this? I want to face Christian Cage. You want to face Christian Cage. We'll face each other on Dynamite. And the winner gets Christian Cage. And they shake. And everyone's like, cool, mission accomplished. What a, what a nice, easy, happy-go-lucky segment. And Tony Schiavone even almost says exactly that on commentary. He's like, that's how business should be done. Respectful. Mm. And Daniel Garcia goes to pull away and Edge holds on to him. Adam Copeland pulls him back and says, but just so you know, you're now threatening to take food off of my family's table. And I just can't allow that. So I'm going to rip your throat out or I'm going to beat your ass on Wednesday. And walks away, and he kind of, like, has that really intense look in his eye as he walks up the ramp. And they both just kind of, like, are like, all right, mm -hmm. you and me, you wanted this fight. You're going to get it. This is a big test for you, young man. And it was a little bit wonky in places, but I liked the energy that Daniel Garcia... Once Daniel Garcia kind of showed up, I really liked everything they had here. Yeah. You know? Because these two seem to be the top contenders for the TNT title, and they pretty much said that, set up a match, 
that it will be a number one contenders match, and then we'll get the same match, you know, one of them against Christian. Maybe both of them against Christian. Probably not, but because we are also having the three-way that would be set up very similarly for the world title. Yeah. But an interesting dynamic that maybe could have been gotten to a little bit smoother. I didn't uh, love this segment for a couple of reasons. I like where we're going. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that, and I actually really liked seeing Daniel Garcia add this string to his bow as well. He doesn't always cut a promo. Um, if I'm not wrong, um, I don't usually I don't think of him as someone with a mic in his hand. Mm. So it was nice to see him, you know, square up to Copeland and have that moment of I'm going to stick up for myself kind of thing. Um, Adam Copeland is the biggest heel in the business, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, you want to talk about inserting yourself in someone else's storyline. You had to make sure he talked about the young books in there. If I was there with uh, with Darby and Sting, that wouldn't have happened. So I'm going to teach you off, Matt and Nick. Well, I mean, he had teamed with Darby and Sting at yes. the at the pay-per-view. So I'll I'll kind of allow sure. that. Sure. But Triple H had many uh stories with Seth and Cody and The Rock and Roman, so he can insert himself into that as well. That wasn't just a few months ago. <laughs> I'm being a troll. Um I, I think my real issue came with the idea of the this whole business of championship opportunities should be decided by wins, but uh yeah, that's what the rankings are for, but the rankings don't seem to be working elsewhere because later on Ishii gets a championship match just rankings be damned and earlier on in the conversation with uh in the match with john moxie commentary was saying like ah john moxie doesn't care about winning titles the titles just and i was like well hang on but i watched one of the best matches of last year where he fought his ass off to win a title yeah i didn't quite get that line of commentary the, the, there was a couple of strains in here where i was like this feels a bit confused and that might sound a bit nitpicky and i appreciate that but it's one of those things where i say go all in no pun intended, or don't. Like, I feel mm. like they've got to figure out what it is, pick a lane, and go with it. Because then, oh, he also absolutely, this is the other bit where he's a heel. He completely negged Danny Garcia. <laughs> Two faces are supposed to be able to be like, yeah, yeah, you've also achieved a lot, but like, you know, let's have that one-on-one, -on -one, and then I'll turn. But the neg of being like, well, you needed the patriarchy to help you. You needed FTR to help you beat the patriarchy. It's like, hang on, put him over. Like, what are you doing, you big mm -hmm. heel? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like... Ultimately, where it ended, um, I just thought the promo itself was a bit clunky. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's very fair, and the the use of rankings in title matches and and such, I I think I pretty much mostly agree with. I think the international title can be sort of a, a, a somewhat separate thing, just in that it's kind of the open challenge title and i will allow that also, because you kind of need something certain like people that. who sh can yeah. leapfrog the rankings because they're in the country like i feel like you can make yeah. a conversation around it but that's again it comes down to the logic of i want to know what's happening yeah yeah i i, I agree uh and then we were backstage with renee paquette with Willow Nightingale, Chris Statlander, and Stokely Hathaway. Now, this was a, an interesting little promo. Maybe not the best delivered promo on the on the whole show, but Groundhog I, Day. We've seen this exact setup. Yeah, I've seen enough of the Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale talking about Sky Blue yeah. promo. I reckon we're probably either going for a tag match at the pay per view or a four way for the TBS title. Both of which are fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, in my opinion, but I really enjoyed Stokely's involvement in this because I thought the best promo work here was done by Stokely. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's very good with his words and put over his team. And it's funny because you would think this would be like a reluctant thing for him because he half the time is getting bullied by these two, you know, but he is their manager and made them feel 
really important. Mm. The former TBS champion Chris Statlander, the former NJPW women NJPW strong women's champion Willow Nightingale, it made them feel very important. So I like that, but otherwise mm. not not too much to this. I also liked it being like he can't necessarily put the match together cuz Tony's blocked him. I, that <laughs> that was very good. I had a chuckle. That was very good. He was like I'll need to borrow one of your phones and Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> no. He's like god. No. Yeah. So very good stuff there. Next up, we had Mark Briscoe versus Brody King with Julia Hart at ringside. This, again, was another very fun match. This was the type of match that we could have seen in the C2, but they were in opposite blocks. And this, of course, coming off of the back of the Steel Cage match with the House of Black and FTR and Daniel Garcia. That Mark Briscoe was going to take Daniel Garcia's place before he was then taken out, thrown off the stage by House of Black. So we had this then as a follow-up for that. And Mark Briscoe is just an absolute madman doing the, the blockbuster to the floor off the apron, which makes me cringe every single time <laughs> I see it. He gets whipped around a bunch. They get slammed into the guardrail. They make a point of saying why people get thrown into the guardrail that's right by the timekeeper's area. That because it's short, mm -hmm. it has less give and everything. I was like, huh, I never actually thought about that. That's mm. kind of neat. Uh, but all that aside, really fun back and forth action here. They set up like a table on the outside and the referee was like, no, no tables, no. I was like, okay, Rick Knox, party pooper, fine. But there was like chairs coming out and like it was a little, straying pretty close to, you know, getting into DQ territory. But ultimately, Mark Briscoe gets absolutely leveled with a lariat and Brody King hits the Gonzo Bomb uh, and goes and gets the pin. Um, he, my God, I've lost my place. There's so much to happen in this match. But Briscoe eventually goes through the, the table as well. Yeah. Wanted to put that uh, put that over. And they made sure to note on commentary that if you set it up, it, you'll risk going through it, which is two inside baseball because that's exactly how wrestling works. If you bollocks. set up the table, you go through the table. Bollocks, 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 by the way. I yeah. really, I want to push back because I thought this match was so good but there were logical inconsistencies here that I would call out elsewhere, and I mm -hmm. feel like it's fair to call it out here as well. When he's setting up the table and the ref is like, no, you can't use tables. What, he was pushed through a table. He didn't just accidentally fall through a table. He was pushed through a table. Seconds later, from setting up the table and being told no, he was also thrown onto a steel chair. Pick a lane. Mm -hmm. Like, is it a DQ match or is it a no DQ match? If it's a no DQ match, fine. They really wanted to have a no DQ match. Cool. We, we'd really like to do this table spot. Okay, cool. Well, we'll make it a no DQ match and because you were thrown through a table, you're angry enough that you want to do it. Logical consistency. This got right on my nerves. I expect better. Mm -hmm. Especially when it took away from a match that I otherwise was really enjoying. I think there's something to like, you can do this spot, but maybe you just do it a little bit differently. Mm. Like, you know, I, I always find it to be a little bit more okay if like the table is stationary, you know, like mm. if it's the timekeeper's table or if it's the announce yeah. table or something. There are certain elements you can where do like... that. But this was a bit of a step too far, yeah. you know? There's, there are certain elements of the ringside area that you feel a fair game. Yeah. Like the announce table, which or is the table. Or the steps. You throw yeah. someone into the steps, but if you pick the steps up and hit someone with it, yeah. then it's too far. Yeah. yeah. There, are, there are levels to it for sure. But Mark Briscoe eventually pinned with the Gonzo Bomb. And then afterwards, Brody picks Mark up and holds his hands behind his back as Julia Hart just stabs him in the head. Just, she just stabbed him in the head. Just takes a spike like a railroad spike, and 
jabs it into his head. And this was shot from behind and everything, but they cut back to Mark Briscoe and he's got blood everywhere. And it's like, oh my God. Mm. So I'm not sure where this is going to go because we've seen some uh, recent involvement with Mark Briscoe and the Hardys as a potential mm -hmm. trio. They've kind of got their own thing going on that feels very unrelated to this, but I don't know. Mark Briscoe will pretty seemingly obviously need uh, backup mm -hmm. for the House of Black. Maybe he just enlists some help from FTR, but now they seem to be occupied otherwise. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure where we go with this, but a hell of a visual for this angle. Mm. We had a backstage little promo from the bounty hunter, Brian Keith. Hell yeah. My favorite indie wrestler is an indie wrestler no more. Mm -hmm. And he basically says that it's no secret that I'm here for a payday. It doesn't matter if you're good, bad, or ugly. Put me in the ring. I'm coming for my bounty. I loved this promo. I thought this was fantastic. This was like a proper old school 70s. You needed the green NWA, screen yeah. with like just shapes behind yeah. him. Like this a Bret like, Hart 1991 promo. Have you watched, Have you seen the Iron Claw yet? I've not. They, they do a lot of the like, there's the clips of Harley Race. There's clips of, uh, you know, they pretend to do the, the, the Ric Flair yeah. promo, the, the Von Erich's promo. This was that kind of promo. Maybe it was just even in the outfit. I was I was enamored of this promo. I want nothing but the best for Brian Keith. I love that guy. So Deanna Perrazzo faced Kira Hogan next. Uh, this was a match. This mm -hmm. was another match to give Deanna Perrazzo uh, another win, more time on TV, so people are more familiar with her moveset and everything before her first big pay-per-view match. And I think it succeeded in that, but mm -hmm. otherwise was just kind of, you know, fine. She won with the Venus de Milo, with the, which is like the arms trapped uh, yeah. behind the back submission on the ground, but not much more to it than that. I liked that they put over that some of Kier Hogan's moveset is similar to Tony Storm's because it made it feel like she'd picked her opponent specifically mm -hmm. to get a tune-up of how to prepare for that kind of move, which I quite liked. I yeah. thought that was a nice little detail. Yeah. Again, the details really help oh, yeah. when I think uh, AEW, of course, I think on the whole has very good commentators. And I thought that Kevin Kelly in particular did a really good job on this show mm -hmm. of making some of these matches even more logical. And sometimes those are things that are given to commentators. Other times it's just something that you say because who's going to fact check you? <laughs> Not me. I would never do such a thing. <laughs> uh, so after that, because Deanna Peraza, it felt like Deanna Peraza's victory celebration was then cut off yes. by Tony Storm. And she comes out for her next match. And Deanna Peraza just kind of disappears after that. And that's fine. But. Deanna Perrazzo is not present for Tony Storm's match with Queen Aminata, mm -hmm. who is a very bright star yeah. in the future of this women's division. And I've not really gotten a chance to put over Queen Aminata properly in recent times, but it's so important to me as members of the AEW women's division are kind of rising through the ranks that you are replacing those at the bottom of the totem pole with people that will then start to rise through the mm -hmm. ranks afterwards. And it's like, you know, a couple of years ago you had your sky blues and you had your willow nightingales and they were the ones that didn't pick up a lot of wins on TV, but everybody started to see more of them and they liked them. And then all of a sudden, now they're in title matches, and you know Willow won the 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 Owen Hart Cup, and 
there is a lot of progression of the roster. And that's when I think I'm most happy watching AEW, when I can see people getting better and their mm. wins meaning more. And we're not at the stage where Queen Aminata is going to be winning these matches on TV, but she's getting to wrestle people like Tony Storm, the women's world champion. Mm. And there were a number of times in this match where the fans really kind of took note of just some of the more character, maybe not even character moments, but just little things to get the crowd into the match. Mm. It made me really feel like, oh, I'm watching a pro that is only going to be here because that's where she needs to be slotted in now. But before long, Queen Aminata is going to be a player in the women's division. I'm a big fan of Queen Aminata. I couldn't put it better than you just did. I feel like she's got a great energy and mm -hmm. a great look, great potential. Um, I, I, and I, I'm the same as you. I think if you're going to... And again, I've, I've, I, on this podcast, especially given them a lot of you know crap for the the lack of uh, attention given to the women's division, this is an example to to as we said, you you criticize when it's worth it and you give credit where they do stuff. They've been rectifying that, and yeah. if you know they're going to bring in Mercedes Monet in a couple of weeks' time, they're going to bring in someone massive right at the top. They need that whole ecosystem. It's not just about the people at the top having. Yeah you know bangers or whatever it's all of it it's everyone needs to be able to so that when as we said with Meechin earlier on when you go into the ring i, I need to know that you're going to be given a challenge yeah. and it's things like this really make that happen and i and i massively enjoyed it yeah so this was a very fun little match i thought this was again sort of like the bianca belair and Meechin match this was very competitive where they were putting over very strong on commentary that Listen, we're not expecting Queen Aminata to win this match. She's facing the world champion. But her day is coming. And having a match like this against Tony Storm, taking Tony Storm not quite to her limit, but giving her a real test. This was not a cakewalk for Tony Storm by any means. That is a big, you know, notch in the cap of of Queen Aminata. And there were a number of things here, not like super important things, but just like Queen Aminata starting to like stomp on the ground while they're both selling just to get the crowd, start doing the clap and get back into it. I thought it was like, there, there's poise here. You really know what you're doing. And I really appreciated stuff like that. She rubbed her butt on Tony's face at one point while she kind of had her in like an arm bar type deal. And that caused Tony to recoil and say, how dare you? And people really got into that. So there was a lot of character and also wrestling kind of being intertwined here. It was really good. She had a really nice sap, uh, snap suplex as well. DDT's back and forth. And Tony ultimately hit the hip attack and the Storm Zero for the win. Really good little match, I thought. And then after the match, she gets on the mic, lying in the ring, and says, next week, on whatever she said. It, it wasn't Dynamite. 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 I'm going to be revealing my new film, Wet Ink, is what it's called. And she said that, Diana Perrazzo, you're nothing but a wart on my butthole or something like yeah. that. And I was like, all right. And that's and that's where we, we left it. And it's always funny because these things get like clipped out and put on Twitter and such. But when she says something like that, the crowd isn't like, whoa, yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> what has <laughs> yeah. she said this time? Yeah. You know, but to each their own. 
it was a fine little match, and I guess we're going to see more of this build next week on Dynamite. She's a nutcase, and I love it. Yeah. And I think um, that belt looks so beautiful in mm-hmm. black and white. I just I keep looking at it. I'm like, oh, that's like Aztec gold almost. Mm-hmm. There's something so gorgeous about it. Um, and I like that this character has, it's, you know, world of her own kind of thing. Her yeah. own style of promos, her own style of moves. There are certain elements where I'm like... I I would because I love the character it's based on so much. I wanted to see them tweak mm-hmm. it here and there, but I love the Mariah May element of it. Yep. I love the Diana Parazzo element of it. The fact that they're like you know old, and she's like, "What's wrong with you? What's going on?" <laughs> I'm a big fan of it all, and again, yeah. it's just commitment to it. I appreciate it. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Not in the same Sunset way. Boulevard? Yeah, it reminds me of NXT Prince Pretty Tyler Breeze. Yeah, just in the sense that. When your promo style and your presentation style mm. is completely unique, it makes you feel different yeah. and like a star. Yeah. And as soon as he went to the main roster and he was just like, hello, my guest at this time, Tyler Breeze. Yeah. He was just another guy. But when he was cutting the selfie promos, he was unique. Now mm. nobody else has even a remotely similar production style to Tony Storm. You got to have a gimmick. You gotta have a gimmick, brother. But that then brings us to our main event as Orange Cassidy defended the international title against Tomohiro Ishii. Ooh, Tomohiro <laughs> Ishii. Anytime I get to see Ishii on my TV, I'm very happy. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I didn't watch this show the day it happened, obviously. I watched half of it yesterday and then half of it today. And I was like, Tomohiro Ishii's on my TV. And like, <laughs> That's wild. Imagine going back like five years and just being like, oh yeah, Ishii's going to be wrestling a TV match. Mm. And I'll be like, oh oh, oh my (laughs) God, that sounds unheard of. That's impossible. And really, really fun stuff. This match, interestingly enough, was a little bit of a mixed bag for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. But there were bits in here that I wasn't as big a fan of. I thought that some of Orange Cassidy's overselling of Tomohiro Ishii's strength and such was a little too cartoony for my liking. It was like when they would lock up and he'd just be doing this, you know, he'd just be stomping and putting both his feet. I was like, that wouldn't, I'm not seeing you trying to push. You're just, you know, he's just being a cartoon character. And I've always said that when Orange Cassidy is just being a cartoon is when I find him to be the least interesting. The great formula of Orange Cassidy matches are when the great serious wrestler can't beat this goofball and they get pissed about it. And now obviously that's not one size fits all. He can have great matches against loads of competitors as we have seen. But it took a little while to get past that like early stage cartooniness of this match. And I just am not as sure that the cartooniness mixes with an Ishii style match as well as it does like a pack or a Will Ospreay or pick whoever you'd like. But eventually they end up just getting into the wrestling part of this. And that's when this just became, you know, a fantastic main event match where there was loads of really good chops. 
that really staggered Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy tried to hit the like forearm strikes and was getting backed up into the corner and then tried to do one in slow motion. And Ishii was like, what are you doing? And then gets chopped. Good stuff there. I like that spot. And they went for DDTs. Orange Cassidy hit a bunch of really cool tilt-to-whirl DDTs. He countered Tomohiro Ishii's vertical drop brain buster into the Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Stundog Millionaire, pardon me. And the fans were really into it by that point. They were doing really big near falls as well. Like Tomohiro Ishii kicks out of the beach break. He kicks out of what I believe is supposed to be an orange punch. He kind of gets him more with his elbow than with his with his fist. But ultimately, they go back and forth with really, really big near falls. And the fans, I thought they were going to start booing with how close some of these near falls were. But a number of the roll-ups leading up to the eventual roll-up that was the finish were so close that actually had me going like, oh, I thought it was over. Like, they got me again and again and again. So I really must give credit for that. And then after the match, after Orange Cassidy had won with a roll-up, the Undisputed Kingdom come down and they beat up Orange Cassidy and Ishii makes the save. And Trent is a little bit further behind in the pack. I don't know if that means anything, but hey-ho. But that was Collision for this week. Overall, I thought another fun show. We got a little bit more of the furtherment of things for Revolution, particularly with the Adam Copeland, Christian Cage stuff, also with Daniel Garcia. But otherwise, just some good wrestling, more stuff to further the women's storyline in particular, and then... Oh, boy, I'm really looking forward to whatever those FTR and Blackpool Combat Club guys are going to oh, do. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, like, I, I like I liked the main event as well. I thought that the um, – it's, it's just so funny to me that you just you said loads of chops. There were loads of chops, which is the AW style. Like, yeah. We'll just do as many chops as we can. Uh, and that's something that I usually find really irritating. I don't really like the chop battle. I don't like the forearm battles. That's, that's, a, that's a personal thing that I don't vibe mm. with. So I actually really enjoyed it in this match when they kind of played with that a little bit and Orange is like – what am I doing? And it's yeah. like, great. I could, and you know, because they have that, because they're two baby faces who respect each other, that didn't feel like a moment where I'm like, well, no, she should attack you now. It, mm-hmm. it, it made sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated that. And I, th- I felt that that kind of was present through the whole show in a way. Um, I think probably, yeah, I'm with you that, that kind of match of the night at the beginning that, and the, um, the, the, the idea of what this tag division, again, tag team wrestling being my favorite thing. What are we going to be doing with it? I can't wait to see how that's going to go down. So I was I was very pleased with this episode. We've had a good week. It was a good week. I feel like there's going to be an element because I'm uh, we talk about styles that we like. I'm inclined to like the WWE presentation. You're more inclined to like the AEW presentation. So every now and again, we might have a bit of a back and forth. But on a week like this, we both got what we wanted. Yeah. It's great. It's very easy to enjoy doing this podcast when both the shows yeah. are good. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that goes for the foreseeable future. But given that we are building up to two very big pay-per-views, mm. I think that should mean that we're going to get some pretty good shows. Yeah. That being said, there's no collision next yeah, week. Yeah, we are stymied a little bit. Is it the NBA? I don't know. This yeah, is, it's like the NBA field. All-Star game, I believe, is next Saturday. Yeah. So there will be no collision part of next week's podcast. It mm-hmm. will just be Dan and I doing SmackDown. And... I guess that means SmackDown's going to win that week. But <laughs> honestly, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I think that SmackDown wins this week yeah, as well. It was a close one, but I feel like SmackDown, did, it did, it's, again, because one of them is a build to a massive show and the other one is is a show that is on 
the way it, it mm-hmm. one of them had had more to do yeah. and i think it achieved it very very well yeah i just felt more watching smackdown than everything i was watching was super important yes than this one i think I, I saw better matches on collision but i think, I think the fair. show overall felt a little bit better on smackdown yeah i agree but ultimately, let us know who you thought had the better show. Was it SmackDown? Was it Collision? Let us know who you think is going to face Seth Rollins. Let us know what you think is going to be added to the Revolution card. All these questions and more can be answered down in the comments below. But before we go, make sure, of course, that you like this video, subscribe, add yourself to one of the over 85,000 subscribers that we've now got here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast channel, and ring that bell so that you stay notified. Until next week, I've been Tempest. That's been The Truth, Dan Layton, and we will See you next time. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.